Anyway, now let's look at Psalms. We've already been in Psalms. Let's go to 104. Now, it's a long psalm. It's got 35 verses. I'm going to get through as much as I can. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself. Now, that's not asking a question. That's descriptive. That's Lord my God, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment who stretches out the heavens like a curtain who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters who maketh the clouds his chariot who walketh upon the wings of the wind who maketh his angels spirits his ministers a flaming fire who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou set a bound that they might not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. Stop right there for a moment. Henry Morris it was Henry Morris and John Whitcomb that authored and published that book, The Genesis Flood, back in the early 60s. And that's the book that uh, taught Ken Ham and uh, encouraged him to come to America and do what he's done with the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And so pretty much for this modern young earth creationist movement you can say that Henry Morris and John Whitcomb they kind of kicked it off now I read to you almost every time I see it in our bulletin the, the lessons of Roscoe Brown and Roscoe Brown was preaching the, uh, teaching and printing the same truths that they do up there before he ever heard of any creation museum or or uh, Henry Morris because the Bible teaches this and that's why he does it but anyway I, he's dead now Dr. Morris is dead now but I appreciate a whole lot of what he, he's done I don't agree with every word he said but I can't hardly argue with him much on the science but he says uh, that this psalm Psalm 104 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible dealing with the early history of the world. It first sets forth some of the amazing truths concerning the very first events of creation or creation week, then discusses the gap in history caused by the great flood, and finally the events establishing, uh, I got poured as post-flood world, type over there. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to do. We're going to go through this a little bit. Now, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. 
Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Now, I don't know what that looks like. But I'll tell you what. It is absolutely fantastic. And someday we'll see that. That didn't just happen. He is clothed with honor and majesty. And he covered himself. That word coverest could also be arrayed, dressed up in with light. Where did that light come from? Look over at Genesis 1 real quick. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's the first day of creation. Now, uh, over about verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so, and God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give uh, light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. <clears throat> now, People say, oh, well, that just can't be. Because you got light before he's got a moon and a star and the sun. That has nothing to do with it. What they need to do is read the Bible, let the Bible say what it says. And quit trying to take God's order. God's order is the first thing is God. And God said, let there be. And there was. He created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light. Where did it come from? I don't know, but God arrayed himself in light. And the light was the life of men. He is light. Amen. We just got done with it in Revelation. No need for the sun. He'll light today. He'll light everything. We'll bathe in his light. That he is arrayed in. Well, that's pretty good, pretty good deal there. So, well, we don't know where light comes from. Yes, we do. Of course we do. God arrayed himself in light. Amen. And that's where the light came from. Well, we go back over here. Who covers thyself with light as with a garment? Who stretchest out 
the heavens like a curtain. Now, wait a minute. Now, this psalm is 3,000 years ago. The Bible says that God stretched out the heavens like a curtain. Well, didn't you know that in 1932, uh, John Hubble, they named that big Hubble telescope after him. He is a astro astronomer, what physicist. He made a discovery, a profound discovery. He said the universe is expanding. Not by a lot. And then they, they came up with red and blue. What do you call it? Red what? People that deal with radios and all of that, they know about that. Ah. Uh, if it's moving away, you see red. If it's moving towards you, you see blue. And they act like something's just happening. Well, he says here he stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Now that says a lot, doesn't it? Well, look at Isaiah 40. Get there. Isaiah 40. Verse 22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that Stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You putting up a tent, it's got to go out, doesn't it? Make room to dwell in. All right. Uh, chapter 45 of Isaiah. Verse 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. 
Got more, one more here in Zechariah 12. Verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. So there's quite a bit in the Bible about that, isn't there? And so John Hubble comes along in 1932 and gives us a brand new fact, yet the Bible's had it recorded here for well, Isaiah was 700 years before Christ. That's, that's 2,700 years ago. And we'll get on something else here. Uh, we already read that in Isaiah 40, 20, uh, 22 or 45. He, it, it is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. Yeah. And uh, hold your place there and look at Job. Job 26. Verse 7. He stretcheth out the north. There it is again. Over the empty place. Uh. So, the Bible tells us the earth is round. Amen. There's a verse in Proverbs, I won't turn to all of them. But, they say that the Greek philosopher, Pythagoras, anybody ever heard of him? He was the first to report that the earth is round. That's what they said. Of course, his lifespan was 570 B.C. to 500 B.C. But then we got Job saying it 2,000, 4,000 years ago. And Isaiah saying it 2,700 years ago. Quite some time before Pythagoras. Well, the Bible should be like that because God certainly should know he made it. Amen. So, and all that led up to a cosmology that came from a Roman Catholic priest in 1931. His name was Lemaitre. And he determined the Big Bang Theory. Roman Catholic priest. And that's where that came from. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to Psalm 104. You see, we got some 
creation stuff in here, don't we? Verse 3, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. Now, I'm going to admit to you, I don't know what all that means. And I haven't read after anybody that does. But now, Dr. Morris believes it. And I believe it. I believe it whether he does or not, but he does believe it. Well, if you build a building, you know what, Derek, you know what beams are. You cut them down every day, don't you? I-beams, H-beams, joist, wood, steel, aluminum. What are beams for? Hold up buildings. Well, that's what you got there. Only with reference to the earth. Who layeth the beams of his chambers. Chambers. It's living quarters. In the waters. Now I don't understand all that. Who maketh the clouds his chariots. Well that's just symbolic language. Now just hold your horses here. Behold he cometh with what? Clouds. And he was taken up and received by the clouds. It looks to me like that clouds are a little bit more than symbolic with the Lord. Amen. I get sick of all this symbol, symbolic preachers. They don't, have, they don't have to deal with nothing that way. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Oh, that's symbolic. I don't think so. If I rise up and ride the wind all the way west or all the way east, north or south, I can't ride nowhere where he's not. When he, raised, when he parted the Red Sea, didn't he say, a strong east wind? Amen. Verse 4, who maketh his angels spirits. Is this the point that he created angels? Well, that word maketh, raw haw, Look at Genesis 1. That's the well, I just said the word. Genesis 1. You have to understand that Hebrew. You got to get the gutturals in there. Genesis 1. And verse 7. And God did what? Made the firmament and divided the waters. Do you know that word made is exactly the same word that maketh 
in verse 4 of Psalm 104. The angels are created beings. Their job is to carry messages and do the work, do the work of the Lord, but they are created beings. And he is ministers of flaming fire. You get the same thing referenced in Hebrews, the first chapter. Who laid the foundations of the earth. Now, I do not understand that. I know what a foundation is. If you build a building without a foundation, as many of the old houses used to be, they don't last long. Built them right on the ground, and they rot real quick. Because it was cheaper to build them that way and quicker. But you build a foundation, you dig down, and you either do it with rocks or you do it with concrete. But you build a foundation, and the better and the stronger that foundation is, the better off your building will be. God didn't build anything without a foundation. He's, he's a wise builder. And he laid the foundation of the earth that it shouldn't rot out. <laughs> that it should not be removed forever. So, well, your automobile exhaust is going to destroy this world. That's what they run their stupid mouths on, telling us all the time. My exhaust pipe is not changing the weather. If the weather changes, and it does, who is responsible for that? God Almighty, and there ain't nothing. Joe Biden can't do a cotton-picking thing about it, and neither can that bunch in Europe. All they're doing is bankrupting the world. They can't do a thing about so-called climate change, global warming. Do you think you could live better at 70 above zero Fahrenheit? Or 50 below zero Fahrenheit. How long could you live at 50 below? If you wasn't absolutely prepared for it, and then you better be doggone good and careful, you ain't going to live at all. How much food can you raise at 50 below? What about 70 above? Let me tell you what, you take third world countries, Central America, South America, Africa, Indonesia, most of those people live in abject poverty, but the reason they keep on living is because they've got hot weather. They don't have to worry about Joe Biden cutting their, cutting their electric off. Cutting their fuel off. They live in thatched huts, mud huts, 
and they eke out a living. But you don't do that in Alaska, buddy. You go to Alaska or the Yukon, the Arctic or the Antarctic, you better have your stuff together because you still die. You know how many people are up on Mount Everest that are frozen solid up there and they couldn't bring them down? Global warming would be a boon to humanity. It's global cooling that we ought to fear. And they were talking about that back in the 70s before they got wise to what they were doing and then they started lying about global warming. I don't know about the foundations of the earth, but they're there. But you see, he's got something planned. He's already passed judgment on this heaven and earth. And it's going to pass away with the noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But the new earth is going to have to have... See, this foundations, everything got polluted by man's sin. But this new one's not going to be that way. And it's going to be able to hold up that 1,500 mile building. And that's no symbolic. Anyway, the water stood above the mountains. I think he's gone to the flood now. At thy rebuke they fled at thy voice, or at the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. Now there weren't Mount Everest before the flood. We didn't have mountains that big, not near that big. But after the flood, with all the upheavals, the plate tectonics, the earthquakes, the volcanoes, mountains grew. And here's it, they go up by the mountains. Now Henry Moore says that probably would be better read this way. The mountains rose and the valleys sank down. What it says, they go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys. It essentially says the same thing. It's just in a little bit better term, clearer terms here. The mountains rose because of the flood. Well, they're still growing. That's why they don't know for sure how tall Mount Everest is or K-9. They don't know which one's tallest because they're growing. Not by a lot, but they're growing. Anyway, they go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. It's not that it was all a, uh, a surprise to God. Not at all. Thou set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth, that is, the waters. You see, if the mountain ranges weren't where they are, 
we would still be under a flood. So what happened to all the flood waters? They're right here. But with the mountain ranges, if you've ever been to Europe, there's mountains all over Europe. And they generally follow the coastline. And that's why the world's not flooded now. Now, I'm not a geologist, but I think I know what I'm talking about here. Anyway, he's verse 10. He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. The, the, the springs into the valleys. This is not all haphazard. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. He takes care of the animals. Now sometimes they die from lack of water. Depends on where they are. But for the most part, wild animals always know where to go to get water. They've always got a place to go and get it. By them, verse 12, shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. Trees? They're not an accident. They're not a product of evolution. Although Bill Nye, the so-called science guy, says that we're all related to bananas and trees. What an idiot. He may be smart in some things, but when it comes to to real truth, he's an idiot. We're related to bananas. He watered the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, the fruit of God's works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth it's no accident that we've got all of the my vegetables and fruits and all of the things that we've got to eat and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap the cedars of Lebanon which he had planted. Well now that sap does a lot of good, doesn't it? Trees survive on that. If you've got the right kind of maple trees, have you ever tasted maple syrup? Make your tongue beat your brains out. Where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats. If you've ever watched them on Mountain Man going after wild goats, man, you better know, you better be in good shape when you go out hunting wild goats because you've got to climb the mountains and then you've got to be quiet about it. You've got to sneak up on them because they'll leave you in a heartbeat.
the sun, no, let's see, he appointed the moon, the rocks for the conies, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth is going down. Some people plant their gardens by the moon, don't they? Looks like the Lord made that for that. Thou makest darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. If it wasn't for darkness, probably there wouldn't be many animals left. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth. Now we all know the sun doesn't literally rise. But everybody and their brother uses that terminology. They gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. We work in the daytime and sleep at night. Most people do, except for Randy. <laughs> oh Lord, how manifold are thy works. Many fold. A fold itself is 100%. A fold is not 100%, but it's it itself if you've got 100 and you pick a fold, you've got 200. Manyfold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. So Proverbs tells us, He created the world in His wisdom, by wisdom. The earth is full of thy riches. God's riches, not ours. So is this great and wide sea. I've been from the Bering Sea to South Pacific and Australia. And let me tell you, there's a lot of water there. It's long, deep, and wide. So is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan. Job described that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon... They say, man, we don't have big animals like that. The blue whale is the biggest creature that has ever lived on the planet Earth. He's over a hundred foot long. He couldn't survive out of the ocean. But in the ocean, huh, that's his playground. These wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them that thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. You know the huge whale shark? They feed on nothing but plankton. They filter it in there. They don't have teeth. They've got, I forget what you call it. But I mean, things float. You wouldn't even want to put them on your tongue. And they scoop up tons of them. That's what they live on. And there are other whales that do that too. 
those old boys that I forget their names they made that raft out of balsa wood in Peru and they sailed to Hawaii on a balsa wood raft proving that that's how the Polynesians got there and the, I've read the book Contiki if you've never read it you've missed a blessing man was that exciting book and that's what they lived off of plankton they couldn't catch fish but they'd scoop that plankton up and eat that but it was there and it sustained them wasn't accidental Thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Anybody who has God's face hid from them, you're in trouble. Thou takest away their breath, they die. And return to their dust, not their spirit. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. And thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. Remember Mount Sinai? Yeah. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Thus is Psalm 104.